Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross With Jimmy and Sean, sell pills for your dumb. Make a fantastic song. Make a fantastic song. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross managing editor at FightfulWrestling.com. You're here for The List and your boy. It is number 130. Jimmy, can you believe it's been 30 weeks since that tragedy that was listing your boy 100 yeah can you wow it's like a half a year ago plus yeah wow since melissa won so it's been over half a year since melissa won the fightful championship and you know something sean ross it wasn't it wasn't actually a year ago at all no it wasn't at all no no (laughs) no we we flew shot in for that and uh you know something Today is July 10th. We're doing this on July 10th. In about one month from now, minus like three days, Sean Ross Sapp is going to be in Toronto. Uh, we are going to do a live edition of Listen to Your Boy together. There's going to be a bunch of shows happening up the street at a theater that, that Sean's going to take in. And there is a possibility that Sean Ross Sapp is going to get a shot at Melissa's Fightful Championship. So. I should. I mean, we're, we're talking about rules and regulations and all this. And from what I understand, Jimmy, you can win the title as long as you have somebody to count the pin and there's a camera present, correct? That's correct. But I had stated we had to get to 500 Fightful Select subscribers before oh. I would allow you to Piss get a title off. shot. Hey, I am, the, I am the commissioner of Fightful. And so we're going to have to find out in a month's time if I might be willing to bend the rule on that. We're about halfway to that goal. Uh, I get the so. feeling that you're you're going to you're going to have to you're going to have to. Don't but be cocky. Don't be cocky. Got, Sean. Go, I'm humble. That in fact, I'm going to be as humble as possible even though Melissa's not here. I that that I pledge, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be humble to Melissa. Really? That that's I'm committing. You're committing. Sean Ross Sapp is humble. Is that right? Humble Sean Ross Sapp. 
humble, Sean Ross. What that, that's what this whole lead up is going to be. But you know what? I feel like I feel like I should take on Melissa in a thumb wrestling match. I think that should be the first go around. I think that's how we do it. Are you pulling a Joey Janela with this stuff? Joey oh, Janela. Joey, Joey, Joey Ryan. Joey Ryan. I was like, are, are we about to do it at a Blink-182 yeah, concert? Yeah, sorry, sorry. I, meant, I, here. I meant Joey Ryan. Are you going to pull a Joey Ryan with that? Oh, well, we are. But hey, guys, if you want your uh, questions, comments read on the air, donate a Super Chat. We just got a big-ass one from Michael Aarons. And uh, as a wise woman once said on Men in Black, I know my Aarons, and that's not my Aarons. But he says, best wrestling podcast Never miss an episode. Speaking of Men in Black, Rip Torn passed away, Jimmy. Yeah, Zed from Men in Black. I remember him from that. I remember him from Dodgeball. Is it necessary for me to drink my own urine? No. But I do it anyway because it's sterile and I like to taste. A classic. How many a times classic. have you seen Men in Black to just knock those out like that? That, that was Dodgeball. Oh, it was. I, I have seen it. Men in Black enough, is. We're not throwing an intergalactic kegger here. How many times have you seen this shit? To be able Enough to... to know that. Apparently. Jay Patel says, SRS, the pickup basketball game in Chicago. Will fans be able to come down and watch? This is not a pickup basketball game. This is the most athletic, unathletic, organized basketball game in history. And yes, you all will be able to. But uh, guys, if you all want to ask questions every quarter or so to jimmy van you can do that at fightful select our premium service subscribe now jimmy we did like 45 50 minutes of you just answering questions about wrestling uh sports uh fightful business all kinds of good stuff yeah it was fun did it for my home office this time i was afraid that one of my children was going to pop in the room but uh they didn't it was fine uh i want to start today uh by talking about a couple of things paco alonzo is the first thing i want to mention President of CMLL, passed away last Saturday at the age of 67. Uh, anybody not familiar with him, he was the head of CMLL since the 80s. He turned that promotion into a Mexican wrestling powerhouse in the 90s. Uh, and a lot of guys uh, gave him tributes. He was a very well-liked promoter. A lot of guys gave him tributes, including Chris Jericho, who uh, posted a very emotional video on Instagram in tears when he found out about the passing of Paco Alonso. He said that he made him a star in 93. He took care of him. He came up with a Lionheart name. And so, uh, unfortunately, 67 is really young. Have you heard about the cause? No, I haven't. Uh, but that is tragic. It is a giant deal that this happened. And, uh, man, it's a bummer. Yeah, and he was really young. And then the other one is Pero Aguayu. Uh, now, uh, anybody not familiar with him, here's what was interesting about him. So he was uh, legendary in the AAA promotion, which was CMLL's major competitor in Mexico. He passed away on July 3rd at the age of 73. What was unique about him is that he was a legend in Mexico who was not a luchador aerial wrestler. He was one of the first, if not the first, strong-style wrestlers from Mexico. He was a physical, stiff, brawling-type wrestler. Uh, and anybody that knows anything about you know, Mexican wrestling, it's always the luchadors that get all of the attention. He was completely different from that. Uh, so he passed away, and I haven't heard about his uh, cause either. Have you heard about uh, his cause, the cause of death? I've not, and uh, that family has obviously been through a lot over the last few years. Yes, and, his son. Yes, yes. Uh, that's it, it's a it's a rough time in uh, especially in the wrestling world. It was it was a tough weekend. 
And very, you know, ironic, I don't know if that's the right word, the fact that, that major figures from the two major me Mexican promotions passed away within a matter of days from each other. Uh, just very, not something that you see every day. Let's move on. Now, we already kind of mentioned this. What the hell is going on with Joey Janela and Enzo Amore? What was that? Blink-182, so, what? Last night, Enzo went on this, like, tweet tirade to Joey Janela, and I'm like, what the hell's going on? Like, I know that they had some beef a few months ago. Janela was like, hey, I'll I'll get some training. We can do something, a blood sport. And Enzo, like, said, I'll pay for your training. And I see these tweets, so I messaged Joey Janela, who I interviewed for the site recently. So I was like, you know, maybe he'll tell me what's going on. I was like, hey, what's going on? And he goes, oh, we got into the worst fist fight of all time. And I was like, "Are you, really? Like, I, he had to convince me that it happened. I thought I was getting worked mm -hmm. because, hey, you know what? I could see somebody on the indie circuit. I could see Escape from L.A., SummerSlam weekend, Joey Janela, Enzo Amore. Yes. That sounds like the type of thing GCW would do, for right? For sure, for sure. So I had to be convinced that this was a real thing. And he's like, no, we were at the Blink concert. I walked up and I said, hello, I'm Joey Janela. And that Enzo said, oh, really? Slapped his hand away and punched him in the face. Really? Yes. So Enzo knew who he was? After he told him who he was. Oh, after he told him who he was. Now... And and I guess that he remembered his name because of that, but didn't recognize him straight up. But the thing is, you see Enzo on Twitter saying he doesn't know who Joey Janela is, but then references a spot that he did two weeks ago on pay-per-view about so, stepping into thumbtacks. I'm right. like, what? Now, I was going to mention that, too. So, for, so first thing, so I've seen the video. Who shot the video? And I understand that Enzo posted an edited version of it. Yeah, he posted a limited version of it, and it was whoever Enzo's buddy was. Enzo's buddy. Yeah, was that's this, all I know. And this wasn't a work? Not as as best I can as tell. As best you can tell, right. No, but I I reserve my right to be wrong on this situation because if you ran that at Escape from L.A., it they got buzz. Yeah, now the only thing I will say is this. So I, I met Je Joey Janela at uh, Double or Nothing Weekend in Vegas. Uh, if anyone's never met him in person, with all, with all due respect to him, he's not a big guy. He's a pretty small guy. However, the batshit crazy ones are the ones you should be concerned about. And you already mentioned this. Joey Janela in the match with uh, with John Moxley at Fighter Fest. Not only did they do the typical thumbtacks in the back spot that you see a lot, he stepped barefooted in thumbtacks. He had thumbtacks sticking out of his big toe, Sean. That's not going to feel good, man. Uh, no. And, and Janelle is crazy enough that he did that kind of shit. That's the kind of guy Enzo Amore should stay away from. So uh, and I, I saw the video. I mean, they didn't even touch each other in the video that I saw, but I wondered if it was a work. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I had to be convinced that it wasn't a work. Yeah, yeah. All right. Whatever. Good for them. Let's move on. I want to talk about the two faces of WWE creative this week. My little thumbnail on social media, I called it uh, Jekyll and Hyde Creative. Because it was so it was so different between Raw and SmackDown. Now the surprising thing this week is that Raw was the shit show. Uh, I would have thought, based on Paul Heyman's influence and based on the fact that we saw so many positives last week, that it would have carried over to this week. Sean, let me say this, and I, I asked you if you could find out how much influence Heyman had this week and how much Vince kind of stepped on his toes. This week's Raw episode, to me, to me, the worst in 25 years. 
Ah, man, that's that's gonna, something. No, and I'm going to tell you why I'm saying that. To me, to me, it was the worst episode of Raw that I have seen maybe ever in my life. And the reason I say that is it's one thing to have really bad stories. It's one thing to have really bad matches and all that kind of shit. But when you book shit that doesn't make any sense, that just doesn't make any sense. Like what? Uh, so they started out with an intergender elimination tag team match. Yeah, that didn't make a damn bit of sense. So let me ask you this question, all right? So so I'm sure people saw the match. It was Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch against Andrade and Zelina Vega. And they said going in, women have to stick with women, men have to stick with men. Even though last week, Becky tapped out Mike Bennett. So it's, 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 it's just going apeshit crazy. But they said that men had to stick to men, women had to stick to women. Here's my question for you, Sean. And I know that Vincent Mann's answer would be, well... You just don't book it that way. That's what he would say. But here's my question for you if you're a knowledgeable fan watching this. Let's say Seth Rollins pins Andrade first. Right, Sean? Seth Rollins pins Andrade. Then let's say, because they're not going to beat Becky clean, Becky gets counted out. Right? Seth Rollins pins Andrade. Becky gets counted out. What's left, Sean? What's left? One-on-one match. Between a man and woman that can't compete. So what yeah. does that mean? Does that mean that Seth and, and Zelina would stand across the ring from each other going, hi, hello? Pretty much, yeah. It, By the looks was, of it. it was the stupidest shit that I think I've ever seen on Raw because it, there could not be a finish if you, if you got to that point. And then that also makes me ask you at Extreme Rules, can the men fight the, the women? You had Becky tap out Mike, but then they can't fight the men. By the way, Zelina attacked Seth Rollins later in the match. I never even thought so, of that. I didn't even thought yeah, of that. Yeah, so, I mean, at least if you're doing it from a moral standpoint, it doesn't matter. You're right, it didn't make any sense. I don't know the level of influence that Heyman had this week, but Heyman, I'm told, is very transparent about the level of input that he does have. Right. Uh, that was a part of my report, my exclusive report Monday. We'll get is to that. that he, he's... Very transparent about that, and he lets them know that the fact that Vince has made it known that they do need a change. I was trying to think of a way to word that that wouldn't get aggregated in a weird way. Uh, is a good step because it means that Vince recognizes to some degree that he needed a little bit of help there. Uh, I'm told that Paul very much wants to stay a part of the team and not seem like a boss, so to speak. Right. So he's like in the middle of creative meetings instead of at the head of them. I mean, got a lot of people that say he's at least making that effort. And for everybody who says, oh, wow, was this new SmackDown episode Bishop? It's not him yet. Right. It's not him yet. Next week, I think, right? I Hey, I don't know what week. I, I've heard after Extreme Rules, somebody told me closer to SummerSlam. I don't know yet. All right, well, going back to Raw and, and, and back to me just wanting to slip my wrist watching the show. So there was a six-man tag team match. damn, Jimmy. <laughs> there was a six-man tag team match, all right, with the Usos and the Miz against Revival and Elias, all right? The first fall of the match, Jimmy Uso gets pinned, all right? You with me so far? The first fall of the match, Jimmy Uso gets pinned. They go to a break because, you know, they're doing these best two or three falls matches now all the time. This one was, yeah, best two or three falls. So they go to a break. They come back from break. Jimmy Uso's wrestling in the second fall after getting pinned in the first fall. And Elias is gone. And then they just declared that Elias was eliminated. I watched no, that. No, 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 no. Elias walked out. Whatever. It was an elimination. It wasn't... He just walked out. No, 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 no. Elias just walked out. He was not eliminated. Okay, but Jimmy Uso was pinned. 
He was pinned. There wasn't an elimination match. I thought it was an elimination match. No, it was a two out of three falls, six-man tag match. Oh, it was a two out of... Okay, well, that's fine. But Jimmy was... Oh, wait a second. It wasn't an elimination. It wasn't an elimination match, Jimmy. Okay, okay, I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. So I guess I was wrong on on that. I thought it was was elimination. Well, it's a good thing I didn't. It's a good thing I didn't. What What about Rey Mysterio coming back from injury getting laid out by Lashley. It's like, welcome back, Ray, with your big contract. I'm, what the hell I'm, was that? I'm okay with that. Lashley's you were in, okay with that? Yeah, Lashley's in a marquee match. Ray has nothing. Whatever. I thought that okay was so it. stupid. Then what about this one? What about the Cedric Alexander one? So let me ask you this question, Sean. Shane and Drew are talking to the janitor, right? Backstage. The janitor is on camera for the world to see. And then Shane and Drew say, oh, you know what? Here, you can wear this mask so that we can conce- you can conceal your identity out there. The guy was just on live television, but now we're supposed to believe, here you go, man. You can conceal your identity. It was so obvious that they couldn't think of a better way to hide the fact it was going to be Cedric Alexander. They couldn't think of a better way. And so that's why that was the best they could come up with. That he was going to be given the mask by the heels after they already revealed him on television. And then to make it worse, Cedric gets pinned in two minutes, right? Gets pinned in two minutes, takes the mask off, and he's smiling and raising his hands and patting himself on the back. He just got beat in two minutes, Sean. And Renee Young on commentary, Sean, she said, what did she say? I wrote it down. She said, the Alexander era is here. Did she really? Yes. Yes, she did. Yes. This the was, era of what? It was the worst episode of wearing, Raw. Wearing dickies and getting beaten in two minutes? It was the worst episode of Raw that I think I've seen in 25 years. I've seen some pretty bad ones, man. It was really bad. It was bad, man. Why have you been able to find out yet uh, how much influence did Heyman have? How much overruling did Vince do? Nope, not this week. Hey, uh, where did you find that out? Uh, a little bit tight lip there, but okay. yeah, um, that one's... Hmm. But from I, but, I, here's here's my thing. Yep. If I'm assuming, I'm gonna assume less, and that's that's an educated assumption based on things that happened during Raw. Okay, personally. but but then switching over to the Hyde from the Jekyll and Hyde, SmackDown was all right. Kevin Owens SmackDown ruled. Kevin Owens treatment was great. It was great. His promo was amazing. And you know what I thought to myself when I was watching his promo, Sean. So his promo was obviously based on the truth, and he's crapping on Shane, and he got too much time, and you're taking it away from Buddy Murphy and Ali and Asuka and Kyrie Sane and everything that he said, which is true. I watched that, and I thought to myself, Sean, so Shane McMahon right now, at the same time, has programs starting or going on with Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns, The Miz, and potentially Cedric Alexander. Shane McMahon... And the Undertaker. And The Undertaker. So Shane McMahon potentially has five programs going on at the same time with five different wrestlers. My God, man. That's called being featured too much, Sean. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. That was the point of the promo. That was really bad. <laughs> that was really bad. But, I, I, on, but, you know, on the positive side, I love seeing Shinsuke Nakamura back. You know, I'm a fan of his. I love seeing him back. I question the the finish, like being a being a clean win. Maybe they could have done a count out or something, but whatever. Shinsuke was back, and I liked it. I wasn't too keen at first on Cesaro being the guy to answer the challenge to Aleister Black, but people pointed out to me on social media, and and to their credit, uh, they're probably going to hold off on Randy Orton until SummerSlam because I question why they didn't put Randy mm-hmm. in when Randy's been working Aleister on the house shows. But I has him for a month. 
and he got hurt. That might that could be why, but it could be. But he J- came back last weekend and he wrestled him uh, in Glens Falls. Jimmy, I know I get paid to be your managing editor. When do I get paid to be your therapist? Damn. It, so here's how I look at it, and you you can tell me if you agree or disagree when it comes to being a wrestling fan. Not a critic, but a wrestling fan. I want my shit to make sense, Sean. Yeah, that's that's the bare minimum. And is that asking too much? You want your shit to make sense. How many times over the years, Sean, have you seen a storyline where there's a guy under a hood, and that guy ends up getting beaten two minutes by the heel? How many times have you seen well, that? Well, a couple, a few times here and but there. That, but that's not the logic behind doing that. You do that not, to surprise the heel. And yeah, have the, not right? when you're trying to put the person over afterwards. No, you don't no. Like, and that, like I see it with La Luchadora and like I think the Calgary Kid or whatever. For what they they did like a couple things, but yeah. man. It was just it's just really frustrating to watch as a fan because it's so stupid. And that intergender tag, that intergender elimination tag, I was watching that losing my shit, Sean. Because I was just watching it thinking to myself, obviously it's going to be a clean sweep. Obviously Rollins and Becky are going to win both falls. And Vince is thinking, no worries about the rules because they're going to win both falls. But as a fan, I was sitting there watching going, but if that's if – you're, if you're looking at this as pretending it's a real sport – if Andrade and Becky lost, your match is done because they can't compete. You know? Yep. Like, it's just very frustrating. Uh, I also thought it was good that they gave Otis an opportunity to show his stuff. I mean, yeah, he slowed his... He did, his, good. He did, he did good. good. He did but but uh, I know on the post-Smackdown podcast, you were making fun of their nickname because it's all over their gear. So stupid. It's not a nickname. It's a catchphrase, right? Whatever. But to, to me, the main thing about those guys is their gimmick. I don't know what their gimmick is supposed to be. They look to me like uh, one of the Bushwhackers consummated a relationship with Duke the Jumpster well, Rosie. I, I get the feeling their gimmick is supposed to be blue-collar solid, Jimmy. There you go. There you go. I don't get the whole thing. They look like a, a 90s gimmick. Uh, but Otis, I thought he looked good. They gave him an opportunity to get his stuff in, and I thought that he looked all right. They they really look like Duke the Dumpster Drossy met the Bushwhackers. I literally just said that. I know. That's why I just reiterated oh, it, Oh, you did? Okay, okay. Yeah, My they, God. They look like a, a relationship was consummated, and out came heavy machinery. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, uh, you know what? A relationship between... AEW and the British TV partners was consummated, and a big part of that was Kip Sabian. I spoke to him about that. Take a look. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross at Fightful.com. Here with an AEW star, Kip Sabian. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You had a, a fantastic showing this weekend, and I mean, I think a lot of people in America probably got to hear you talk for the first time at the scrum where you blew away a lot of the media. I mean, you're a very charismatic guy. You're, you're very, very sure of yourself. And look at this guy. Hey, I mean, look at this guy <laughs> putting me over a white train. I mean, it, continue. Keep going. I'm loving it. Keep I mean, going. it went from Sammy saying, Oh, this guy's got, got on the show because the ITV deal yep. to you going in front of the media and you're, you're holding court. You're, you're running things. How did that feel? It comes naturally, I guess. I like like even like this kind of stuff. It's what I like to do. I like wrestling. I love wrestling. I'm a wrestling fan. I love talking wrestling. Yeah. So it's it, it's easy. It's great. How does a big show like what you experience at Double or Nothing compare to what what else you've been through in your career? So I mean, I've done a lot of indies over the last sort of ten years or so, mainly in the UK. Um, I've done a few big shows, but yesterday was just surreal, man. Do you know what I mean? Like when I walked into that arena for the first time looked around dude it was it was it was a moment 
but then yesterday as soon as that music hits as soon as I came out it just felt like any other show do you know what yeah. I mean I'm, I'm ready to go and then when I got the win at the end that's where the legit reaction came out do you know what I mean like yeah. that was that was 100% legit it was it was unreal and then as soon as I finished against Sammy I got to sit there and watch the rest of the show which I'm sure you'll agree was it was a fun one off the chain man. You had mentioned uh, your family being able to watch you wrestle yeah, because totally. of, of that. Have you spoken to any of them yet? Yeah, like I, I spoke to them before the show. Um, obviously, there's like an eight-hour time difference for like the UK to here. So I spoke to them before the show. Um, they wished me luck as the family would do. Um, I managed to like text a few of them because obviously, as soon as we finished yesterday, um, it was an excitable time. You know, had a few few drinks. You know, <laughs> had a celebratory time. Spoke to them this morning, like all of them at home watched it. Like a lot of people have messaged me saying that they saw the buy-in on ITV4 and then they went straight over to the ITV box office and bought Double or Nothing because of that. And that was my role on the card. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That that was my job. That was Sammy's job. That was the, the Casino Battle Royals job. And I think that we delivered. Everyone in the UK seemed to love it. I've not had one negative tweet. Instagram, social media, Facebook, not, all not, of that. Not easy well, these days. Exactly, right? I was expecting there's going to be some haters, but no, there was no haters. The US is 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 the best, man. I dig it. So they, they speak about how wins and losses matter. They being Cody, the Bucks, yep. and, you, know, you got to win. And where, where do you think that puts you as, as things stand in AEW? I mean, like, as soon as they mentioned wins and losses mattering, I was like, sweet. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm... I'm tired of it not mattering. Like, what's the point? In What's the point of having a, a wrestling contest, a wrestling match, whatever you want to call it, and one person losing, and then the next week they come out, and it just doesn't mean anything? You're prize fighters. Exactly, right? Yeah. The whole point is to win the match. Do you know what I mean? And how can you convince people that winning matters if it doesn't matter? Do you get me? Like, for me, winning yesterday, like... And again, I just want to keep putting this over because it means a lot to me. First ever AEW singles match. First ever AEW singles match winner. It's true. This guy. So How cool is that? As, on, as we wrap up, I know there was some talk about it being the first matches period before the Battle Royal. Mm -hmm. uh, was that was that your thought going into it, or were you were you kind of told you were going to sort of main event that that buy-in? I mean. I, I wasn't. It wasn't really discussed with me where we. I knew we were on the buy-in. I wasn't sure when it would be, um, but as soon as they said you're like closing that before we go, more pressure. But when you're under pressure, that's when you thrive. And yeah. I think we delivered yesterday. Everyone seems to think so. I'm just enjoying being here at Starcast today. Obviously, because I was here on Friday, a lot of the American fans probably aren't used to seeing me. Now they've seen what I can do, or a taste of what I can do. Kip Sabian, I want to thank you so much no, for taking thank the you. time. We're out. Kip Sabian, that was a guy, Jimmy, that really surprised me. I go into detail on the FightfulSelect.com Backstage Report podcast, but Sammy Guevara mentioned him as like a guy, oh, you're only on the sell British pay-per-views or whatever it may be. And then I did a scrum with him, and the guy was really magnetic and charismatic and He's going to be a big deal for AEW. He's facing Hangman Page this weekend, and I do not expect him to win that. Right. But that's a good spot for him. A lot of people are going to find out who he is this weekend. For sure, yep. Uh, we'll talk about the weekend in a minute, but since we're on this UK thing, I want to talk about WWE's UK television deal. 
because uh, this is an interesting thing. I was going to talk about it last week on the podcast. We ran out of time. I talked about it on the Fightful Select Q&A. So um, the U.K., market television market has traditionally been number two for wwe behind the u.s and then after that canada india other markets come but uh things have really dropped off in the uk and i'm really curious to see what happens with AEW coming along on a free-to-air station and where things are going to be in terms of their popularity come say a year from now uh july of 2020 uh so wwe they've been on sky sports for about the last 30 years and Sky in the UK is an internet and television provider. They're one of the major ones. And Sky Sports is a, is a television package that they own, not too dissimilar from ESPN in the US or TSN in Canada. BT is a competitor to Sky, and they are also an internet and television provider, and they have a channel called BT Sport, which is a lot uh, smaller than Sky Sports. Matter of fact, I think they have about a third of the subscribers that Sky Sports does. Over the last while, Sean, WWE's viewership on Sky, and you can say, oh, it's because it airs at 1 o'clock in the morning live, and that might be fair, but the viewership has dropped uh, well below 500,000 viewers a week per show. And so you can imagine what's going to happen when that moves over to BT Sport, which has a third of the subscribers that Sky Sports does. It obviously is concerning in terms of popularity. I've had a few people ask me, why the hell would WWE do this? And to me, it's pretty clear they're doing it for the money. Now, I I, I don't know if Sky Sports came in with a competitive offer because the BT Sport deal, which is going to be starting in January, I haven't been able to find financial terms for that yet. And so who knows if Sky didn't want to counter or whatever the case may be. But BT, it's, it's been pretty public that they are getting really heavy on rights fees. Like they're spending upwards of a billion dollars a year on sports rights fees. Uh, and so that tells me that they probably threw a lot of money at WWE, just like DAZN and just like uh, these other uh, streaming services. Because BT Sport has a massive streaming component to it. But I'm curious what's going to happen because AEW is going to be on ITV4, which isn't as strong of a station as ITV, but it's still a free-to-air station. I think without question, they're going to be probably more than doubling, tripling, quadrupling WWE's audience come January in the UK. And so I, I've heard there's more than meets the eye with the BT deal. I've heard that they're there. I've heard rumblings of people that I talk to in the UK that say that this may become more easy to watch over there than than it looks right now. Well, the only thing that I've heard that's been public in terms of that, uh, although not so much with BT necessarily, but it was reported by the UK Sun on June 29 that WWE is negotiating with free-to-air broadcasters in the UK looking to put together a highlight show. Because yeah. obviously obviously they, they gave BT Sport the rights to Raw and SmackDown. Uh, but the report is that they're looking to put together a highlight show, hoping to attract new viewers and hoping to prevent their audience from eroding even more. We'll see what happens, man, but uh, it's, a, it's a great opportunity for AEW to be going on a free, a free-to-air station when WWE is going to be on a... I think BT Sports subscriber base is like 2.5 million, uh, and that's not going to be 2.5 million WWE fans. That's 2.5 million sports fans subscribing to this app to watch soccer and, and, and UFC's uh, got their license there. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. You know. Yeah, there there are a lot of big opportunities for AEW in the near future. They just have to take. I mean, you can take some missteps, but take as few as possible. Like, for example, on BTE this week, they they made light of how terrible the librarian gimmick is. Oh, really? They <laughs> Matt and Nick Jackson talked to Leva Bates, and she's like, "I'm just so glad that all the fans love this gimmick." And Nick Jackson was like, "You know what?" I think we got to commit to this thing a year, a year 
and they made light of the five-year contracts and Matt was like, no, no, no. We need to commit to this gimmick for five years. We need to really hammer it home. Right. So I, I think they realize some of the things they do. Hopefully they adjust accordingly. That type of gimmick can be okay. Don't shove it down people's throats. Save it for the right spot. Even JR on his podcast was like, I don't know what our pre-show was because it sure as hell didn't sell our main card. Did he really say that? Yeah. He said he was like outside of the tag match. Right. What we put on the pre-show did not sell our main show. And I, I agree with him. I could see that gimmick being their version of Ron Simmons saying, damn. That kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, right? show up and shush somebody exactly. and hit the bricks. Exactly right. I can see Leva, it doing something like that. Yeah. Leva Bates is helping out Brandy an awful lot. Peter Avalon is a really good performer. A lot of people might remember him as Norv Furnham. He was like EC3's personal jobber that got EC3 over in TNA. Like That was a big part of that. He's a really, really good performer. Right. But uh, this librarian shit, uh, you can't hammer it home too much and – Thank God we're not seeing any more Jabali on on this stuff and yeah. the Dark Order. We'll see how that goes. Well, speaking of AEW, and you mentioned uh, uh, the Young Bucks, so they did an interview with uh, Chris Van Vliet that he just posted Incredible up. interview. Very good interview, yep. And uh, a lot of newsworthy stuff came out of that interview, but there was one thing I found very interesting, uh, and that was Nick Jackson commenting that New Japan, quote-unquote, hates us. He said, uh, I found that very interesting. And, and Chris Van Vliet even kind of surprisingly repeated it. He's like, what? Uh, Nick Jackson was like, are you kidding me? So they suggested that New Japan and, and the Bucks, if you haven't seen the interview, they're very honest in the interview. They're very humble in the interview. Uh, maybe they even tell them more stuff than they should. But uh, I found that interesting because, sure, the Bucks left New Japan. Kenny Omega left New Japan as a, as a regular performer. But at the same time... Omega's still going to have a relationship with them. Jericho's still going to have a relationship with them. They just got a relationship with John Moxley. It's surprising me that New Japan would, would hate AEW or that the Bucks. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Would be led to believe that they hate AEW. When I've always believed that eventually New Japan was going to shift their allegiance from Ring of Honor to AEW. What do you think of all that? Well, you have to remember that this is... Um, A bit of a new regime in New Japan Pro Wrestling. They got a new president, I think, in May of last year. So he only really dealt with these guys for seven, eight months, and mm -hmm. they were out the door for, like, what, most of that? Yeah, yeah. You, you, I mean, I know the Young Bucks say that they were very close to going to WWE, mm -hmm. but once All In rolled in and they had Tony Khan flying Chris Jericho to the show, I, I'm of the belief that, that they knew what was going on there. But uh, I could believe that, yeah. And, I mean, I know that there are some disenfranchised New Japan wrestlers, too, that uh -huh. were thought to be long-term guys. I've been pretty public in speaking about that. Now, I don't have quite the connections that, like, a Voices of Wrestling have on that front, but, I mean, even I've heard it. And 
it's hard to not believe, but if I'm New Japan, I want the relationship with AEW. Of course, I, for sure. I cry my river, then I build a goddamn bridge, and then I get over it, and then I prosper. Because that, I, I did you see the crowds at Ring of Honor? Yes. And for some reason, after they drew that house, they thought it'd be a good idea to go back there in a few months. Huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> I what think are the, you doing? I think the therapist that I needed when we were talking about Raw, you need the therapist now about Ring of Honor's Man. booking decisions. Well, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's frustrating. And Juice Robinson doesn't want to go to Ring of Honor. Yeah. Now, I thought he was going to be a big, important part of that company. If you're Ring of Honor, you're begging Juice Robinson to come over there. Yeah. I Oh, man. What is, uh, just, what's Marty Skrull's contract look like? I, nobody knows. Everybody keeps asking me, why is it Marty Skrull's contract or your contract article? <laughs> well, because we don't know it. We only post those up there when we know them. We don't guess them. All right. Well, that leads us to this weekend. So this weekend... Again, and we've talked about this a lot on the show, there's a lot of, you know, pro-WWE people that hate AEW. There's a lot of pro-AEW people that think they're the greatest thing in the, in the universe. I love the competition. I love it. I think that it's good for the industry. I think it's going to make both companies better. This weekend is going to represent the first sort of head-to-head uh, event schedule that we've seen in what, Sean? 17, 18 years. So this is going to be very cool. So well, on a, there was, to be fair, there was TNA versus WWE on Monday nights for a while. All right. So, yeah, this is going to be the first major head-to-head competition that we're going to see. Hey, uh, they did, like, they did all things considered. If somebody today, if AEW did the viewership numbers for their first episode of, a, of AEW TV that TNA did for that episode of Monday Night Impact, I think it would be a resounding success. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, it's a different world now, but for sure, for sure. I'd like to know what their targets are. Uh, by the way, it's, it's, it's come out that it's pretty much a done deal. It's going to be Wednesday nights uh, for AEW starting October 2nd from 8 to 10 o'clock Eastern time. But uh, the landscape is so different when it comes to TV now. I don't know what AEW's targets are. I think that if they do a million viewers, that's pretty good, I think. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see what happens. So Saturday, we've got Evolve's 10th anniversary show live on the network. Uh, the same night, we've got AEW Fight for the Fallen on BR Live, uh, free on BR Live. It's going to be very interesting. When I look at the lineups, I'm not going to lie, and this includes Extreme Rules on Sunday, Sean. Of those three shows, Fight for the Fallen has my interest the most. Um, yep. But I will say Riddle Gulak, I'm very interested in that match. On, uh, on the Evolve show. Matter of fact, I'm more interested in a real gulag than anything on Extreme Rules. But, uh, but Fight for the Fallen, I mean, I will say this. So Bucks, Cody, Dustin. Um, I understand they use BTE to build up these little programs going into shows. You got to start watching that. If you're going to ask me what this fucking match is about, you got to no, start no, watching no, no, no. BTE. That's, that, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is... To me, knowing that the Bucks and Cody are all partners, knowing that at Double or Nothing they all came down the skate stage together, high-fiving and stuff, the reason I don't like when matches like this are booked is because it's just so obvious it's a work, you know what I'm saying? Because these guys are buddies and partners. But they, They've said that, though. They've said it's friendly competition. Fine, fine, but whatever. I, I think that is probably a bucket list thing for Amanda, the Bucks. You, you were telling me you thought it was cool that Amanda Nunes and Nina Ansaroff want to fight each other. 
That's real, though. Yeah, you know I mean? but what the fuck is the difference, Jimmy? You uh, said, how, how do we not suspect that as a work, then? If they want to have friendly competition. I, I, guess, I guess the way I look at it, here's how I look at it. Here's how I look at it. When you have a friendly wrestling match, no, listen to me. When you have a friendly wrestling match, right? Like, let's say back in the day when you had a babyface versus a babyface in a friendly wrestling match. The way that they would always start them is they would start them with technical wrestling and chain wrestling and stuff like that. And then eventually one guy would hit the other guy in the face, and then one guy maybe he'd eventually go heel, and, and the match would break down. In a situation like this, what are they going to do? Are they going to do friendly chain wrestling for 20 minutes? I don't know. I guess I'll have to watch it to know. I guess That's I'll have point. to watch it to know. Uh, I look at it a little bit differently. I look at it a little bit differently. Sometimes my issue with the Bucks is that, like I've talked about, sometimes I find they're just a little bit too cute and they're just a yeah, little sure. bit, they're a little bit too inside with all the stuff they do. So I'm not too intrigued by that match. Uh, but I am intrigued by Omega Sema, even though Omega's going to win. I'm intrigued by that oh, match. Yeah. I'm intrigued by Hangman Page, Kip Sapien. I think that's going to be an interesting match. I'm even kind of interested in seeing SCU Lucha Brothers. I think yeah. that looks like an interesting match. But the Bucks, Cody, Dustin, it doesn't really interest me. It's going to be oh. cute and eh, it doesn't it really interest me. It interests me a lot. I want to see if Cody and Dustin can kind of keep up with the Bucks in the ring. Tim Traver, thank you for the Super Chat, says, bless y'all at Fightful. And uh, Luis Hernandez says, Fightful is awesome. Why, thank you. Yeah, I'm real interested in that show. I'm not as interested in Extreme Rules. And Agreed. Extreme Rules looks like it's going to be a much longer show. Is there anything to look forward to on that show? Let me pull up the card. It's like um, Kofi Samoa Joe might be all right. Might might be good. Take uh, or I'm, tag. Eh. Strowman, Strowman and Lashley and Last Man Standing I'm interested in. Right. But might be all right. I've seen Strowman beat him up so many times. I've seen Strowman beat him in five different things, Jimmy. Uh, Alistair Black versus Cesaro. Not really. We know who's going to win. Yeah. Ricochet and AJ, I guess. But again, we've seen that multiple seen times. It. Yeah. We've seen... Almost everything on this show last month was too much of a rematch yes. festival. This one is doubling down on that in a lot of regards, but I did not doubling down, but I am interested to see what happens with Alexa and Nikki Cross. I think Nikki Cross is one of the best characters on WWE TV right now, but that's really it. Have they added Shinsuke Finn yet to that card? No, they, I, I, they shouldn't either. That doesn't need to be an 11-match show. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, all right, let's talk about some other stuff. So uh, Impact Wrestling. Now, this, this broke a couple weeks ago, uh, but once again, we lost time last week in order to talk about it. Voices of Wrestling broke the story that Impact was negotiating with Access TV. Uh, the deal's not signed yet, but they're working on it. Uh, there's, this is nothing but a positive. Nothing yeah. but a positive. Now, the speculation is that they might actually replace women in wrestling with uh with impact and run new japan impact back to back on saturday nights nothing but a positive for impact and we crap on impact a lot uh or at least i do when it comes to business decisions not so much the product but the business decisions that they make they have zero viewership we, we talked about it on the show we talked about their twitch numbers we talked about their pursuit numbers they have zero viewership and yet they got some good guys there. Killer Cross is a star. Tessa Blanchard is a star. Jordan Grace, I think, is a very unique talent. They got some great talent there, but nobody's watching them. Access, nothing but a positive if they get that done. Have you heard any more about that? I've heard. Okay, so I reached out to Access, and they said, hey, we'll check in on it for you. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I bet you will. Uh, all I was told from people that were at Slammiversary was that that was an important show to them. Right. I I had heard 
that Impact wanted to get the deal done before that, and it couldn't come together. But all I was told was Impact uh, Slammiversary was an important show in that regard, and that they did well and impressed a lot of people. So okay, okay. Well, hope, I hope for them that it works out because they really need it. They're they're almost non-existent right now in terms of viewership, so they could use it at least in the U.S. Oh hell yeah, man! Yeah. All right, let's go to stupid people. Stupid people is what this segment's called. You might wonder why we do it. It's not about wrestling at all. Used to be WWE's weekly usage of stupid nicknames, which we did hoping they'd stop giving wrestlers lame names. But it didn't work, so we gave up. And the new segment we came up with is Stupid People. Stupid people, stupid people. Duh. All right, this first one, man, I wish Nigel was here for this one, man, because this would be for the Nigel file. And uh, I'm real curious what Sean Ross Sapp is going to think of this one. It was reported by CTV News on July 6th. You know, Sean, when we've talked about stories like the restaurants that charge men more than women because they're trying to highlight the supposed gender pay gap and stories like that, right? Yes. So this one is similar but different. There's a music festival coming to Detroit on August 3rd. It's called the Afro Future Fest. All right. They are billing this as a, quote, home for arts, healing, and adornment activations. Uh, and this show has come under fire. Why do you think the show has come under fire, Sean? There are no, Af there are no Afros allowed there. You have to have your hair matted down. You have to have it tied. So they're selling two types of early bird tickets for the show. Oh, boy. One of them they're calling POC, and the other one they're calling non-POC. The POC stands for people of color. The non-POC basically stands for white people. That's and, cool. I'm not touching this one with a 10-foot pole, no, Jimmy. I'm only, I'm only telling the facts. I'm only telling the facts about this thing. They are charging $20 for the non-POC early bird ticket, Sean, and they're charging $10 for the POC tickets. Uh, as you can imagine, they, they're getting uh, crapped on pretty hard about this one, and you are not going to believe what they posted on their website to try to explain it. Put up that screenshot, uh, Brady. So if you can look at the very top where it says, why do we have POC and non-POC, I'm glad you asked. The very next thing they wrote, equality means treating everyone the same. Can you believe that, Sean? Equity is ensuring everyone has what they need to be successful, and it goes on and on and on. So they try to explain that they're charging white people more than non-white people because equality means that tr uh, treating everyone the same. That was actually their explanation on their website, Chuck. Well, let's talk about something better involving Afros. How about this one, Jimmy? You know how I'm calling an MMA event in my hometown in, I think it's October? Okay. Afro Man is performing there. Do you know how excited I am for this? I didn't know what direction you were going in with that. I didn't Afro know. Afro man. Well, one more thing about this story that I want to tell you. There's a local rapper out of Detroit. She goes by the name Tiny Jag. Uh, and to her credit, she pulled out of the show uh, citing that her grandmother is white. And so she's offended by this. There's a British rapper named Zuby. He wrote on Twitter, quote, you've become the very racist you claim to stand against. Uh, whoever put that show together, you might want to think twice about trying to defend that by, say, by, by talking about equity and treating everyone the same. Really, really bad decision. 
It's what they did. We're going to move on. This next one, this was reported everywhere on July 6th, so you might have heard about this one, Sean. I'm sure you heard about Kawhi Leonard, NBA free yeah, agency. Yeah, I heard a little bit about that. A little bit, yeah. NBA free agency is in full swing now. Kawhi Leonard signed his deal. One of the other big signings in the NBA was Jimmy Butler. All right? Jimmy Butler, formerly of the Philadelphia 76ers, he chose to sign a deal with the Miami Heat. So the Philadelphia 76ers on their Twitter, which is something that you see a lot, they wanted to thank Jimmy Butler for his time with the team. You see teams do that when, when big stars move on to other teams. We have a screenshot of what they put on social media. Put that up, Brady. They said, thank you, Jimmy Buter. Aww. <laughs> yeah. Smooth as Buter. Smooth as Buter. Yep, there you go. And this last one, Sean, sent in by Logan. This is for the SRS file. Sent in by Logan, reported by Fox 9 Minneapolis on July 9. This is good. The Clay County uh, Sheriff's Office in Clay County, Missouri, Sean? Yeah. They were look- Oh, you heard this one, right? No, okay. I did. Missouri. They were looking for a suspect who had a felony arrest warrant out, uh, and he was hiding out, and the police were on his tail. They were hunting him down. All right? Unfortunately for the suspect, he inadvertently gave up his hiding spot. Oh, for sure had his location on. You think that's why he gave it up because Probably. he had his location on? Uh, no, he gave it up because he farted. <laughs> Please, hold on. Please tell me they were tracking him down with, like, the heat sensory thing. <laughs> and it was so raunchy. <laughs> So apparently it was the sound of a really loud fart as the cops were, like, scoping out the area where they suspected he was. The sound of the really loud fart, loud fart gave away his location, and they were able to get him. Uh, he was wanted for possession of a controlled substance. He got caught. Man, I, I just want to know, did this get covered in their, their like, detective training? <laughs> It was posted. They actually did. They have to, did they get witnesses together and do like a fart lineup? Where they they had like six different sounds and they had to pick out that one that was his. I can't wait. Oh, I love it. You could go on and on. You could go could. on and on. I could. All right, let's move on. So uh, you know we do call ourselves a crossover combat sports website, Sean. And we do. And oftentimes stories will come up that kind of exemplify why we do what we do. And there's a couple I want to talk about. So AAA announced out of Mexico, they announced that at Triple Mania 27 on August 3rd in Mexico City, it will mark the pro wrestling debut of former UFC heavyweight champion Cain Velasquez. He's going to be in a six-man tag. Joining him on his team are going to be Psycho Clown and Cody Rhodes, Sean. That's very interesting. I'm curious to see what happens with that one. Now, this... I, go ahead. I was going to say, I thought you were going in a different direction with no, this. No, but I am. I'm getting you, there. Okay, I'm good. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Now, this co- also comes on the heels of the Future Stars of Wrestling show from last weekend. And I want to know if you saw this, because I haven't seen it yet. It was the Natural Born Killer show uh, by FSW. And it featured the in-ring debut, I believe, of fellow former UFC heavyweight champion Frank Mir. Did you? I haven't seen anything. He did. He did, did Bloodsport, um, but yeah, it's it's not been out on fight yet. It comes out this week. I encourage everybody to check it out. I did an outstanding. Yeah, I'll put over my own work. I did an outstanding interview 
with Killer Cross where I talked to him about this. A lot of people don't look at him and say, oh, crossover guy. He was training to be a pro fighter before he got into this. Uh, I mentioned Gina Mazzani, a UF. I don't know if she's still in the UFC. She might be. Mm. And uh, the woman that she fought, if they are even decent, Jimmy, they're going to get snatched up. They're going to get snatched up real quick. There's some talent to look for on there. Stephen Bonner yes. on that show. Randy yes. Couture's son, Ryan, on that show. Have you heard anything about Frank Mirror, like how he did? Have you heard anything? Nope, but I'll see it this weekend. And okay. uh, I just want to say that interview with Killer Cross, very well-timed, considering he also had a little gimmick there with John Moxley. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yep. And also Phil Baroni was on that show. I think Filthy Tom Lawler was on that show. Oh, yeah. Uh, that show was the ultimate. I mean, if we should ever sponsor a, a promotion, maybe FSW is the promotion we want to sponsor. Well, the now, thing is, as soon I, I don't try to set up things like that close to because it's hard to edit an interview, get an interview, uh, transcribe an interview, do a feature, all that stuff scheduled. A lot of the stuff that we have, like I'll have it scheduled ahead unless it's breaking news. But when I heard about that show, I was like, well, I, what would be the point of this website? If we weren't covering this show, oh for sure, like that—that that is something we have to do. So I for was sure. all too happy to make that happen. And then, of course, it was announced this week that Combate Americas uh, has signed Tito Ortiz, former UFC what was he welterweight champion, I believe, or what was he? Light heavyweight. Light, was he light heavyweight? Oh, he was two hundred five. Okay, Tito? Tito Ortiz. Oh yeah, light heavyweight. Okay, so... with that hat? Are you kidding me? <laughs> So Tito Ortiz is returning to the MMA cage for Cam for Combate Americas. They haven't announced the date yet, and his opponent is going to be Sean. Go ahead. Who's who's Tito Ortiz's opponent going to be in an MMA fight? Alberto Del Rio. How Ooh, how he's going to get his ass whipped so bad? He's going to get his ass whipped so bad. Now, yes, he here's is. The thing. Is he more qualified than a lot of people? Yeah, he sure is, man. He had a, I don't want to say a good MMA career. He had a solid MMA career for somebody who was being a pro wrestler. Right. But make no mistake, the thing he's most known for outside of pro wrestling is wearing a mask while he got knocked unconscious by Mirko Krokop. That's it. After that, after his pride run, he took like three, three and a half years off, and he won quite a few fights in a row against absolute scrubs in Mexico and Honduras and places like that that don't have any real semblance of MMA talent. Right. And uh, I think he lost his last fight right before he signed with WWE, but it's been nine and a half years since he fought. Nine and a half years. And a lot of people are saying, oh man, Tito Ortiz is old. He's old though. Del Rio's 42. Right. Tito what? fought, I think, last – I think he fought seven, eight months ago when he beat Liddell. He fought, fought Liddell. And how old is Tito? Like 44. 44. Okay. And uh, with all due respect to Alberto Del Rio, look, it takes balls to get into the cage. Right? It does. And, and so with all due respect to him, if you go on YouTube and look up that Mirko Cop fight – and I understand that Mirko Krokop was a killer. I get it. But, yeah. if you, but if you watch that fight on YouTube when he was Dos Carroll's Jr. wearing the mask, you could see how scared Alberto was in that fight. He probably he was, should have been. Oh, you could see it in his eyes, uh, even though he was like wearing the mask. juiced up Crow Cop. Yeah. Throwing his left leg at people's head. Yeah, Just yeah. knocking him out repeatedly. Crow Cop was one of the first people that got me into pro wrestling. I saw him. 
I saw Fedor and Rampage on a Pride DVD, yeah. and I was like, wait, this guy has a finishing move in MMA that he does all the time? Like, yeah. that's that's awesome. Yeah, Mirko and, is, is still my favorite fighter of all time. I consider him my favorite and, fighter of all time. Tito is gonna whip his ass, assuming this fight happens. Right, that's right, and that and that is the asterisk because they haven't announced a date yet. So it yes. could it could just be a publicity stunt, but uh, I I heard of that and like I've I've heard that Alberto he's not doing a lot of wrestling shows. I heard that Combate Americas pays him a decent amount of money to be their face yep. uh, of the promotion. I question what kind of money he thinks he's going to make on this because he's not. It reminds me of when uh, Tito and Chuck got conned by Golden Boy MMA. Golden Boy MMA saying, oh, you're going to have the biggest payday of your careers. And they made shit from that show. So I don't know if Alberto in his head believes that this is going to be a draw on pay-per-view or something. No one is going to pay to see this fight. Yeah, no, nobody's going to watch this damn fight. No. I mean, or nobody's going to pay no to watch pay. this fight. There are no. going to be a lot of people who watch this fight. Yes. It'll do a smooth 500 comments the night of on our website. Yes. But there won't be anybody who pays to watch this. No, no. it's uh, It could be a really bad situation, so we'll see what happens with that one. Did you uh, see Drew Gulak's interview or hear about Drew Gulak's interview? Gulak. Gulak's Gulak. interview. That's the, that's the name of his finishing move, the Gulak. All right. Which did you one? did you hear about his interview? Uh, so Sport Bible is the one that covered it. He, he was promoting the shows this weekend, and uh-huh. it, and he gave about the best answer that you could possibly ever give when he was asked about what's next for him after this weekend. He's got Tony Nice uh, at Extreme Rules for the Cruiserweight title. What's next? And you know what Drew Gulak said, Sean? What's that? Uh, he said he'd like to see Brock Lesnar cut to two hundred five and challenge him for yes. the Cruiserweight title. Yes, I did see that. Oh, that was awesome. I did see that. That I was awesome. That. that was awesome. Uh, some more stuff here. So what do you think of... Uh, let me ask you this one, because I know that you have a personal connection to this, Sean. I want this to be a public service announcement to anybody watching this. Do not purchase Jerry Lawler artwork through the Internet. <laughs> Definitely do not purchase Jerry, artwork, Jerry Lawler artwork through the Internet through a conduit or through a third party uh, something's come out with a gentleman who scammed a lot of people uh, and victimized Jerry Lawler because Jerry Lawler was the one that was made to look back through, bad through the well, situation. The funny thing is, Jimmy, and I, I don't want to put this person's name out there yes. that I was a friend with, but when we were in Vegas, I told you of a friend of mine who didn't get necessarily scammed but got flaked pretty badly by this person. Right. And I even warned them ahead of time. I'm like, hey, listen, I'm not trying to disparage this fellow's name or anything. Yep. But he flaked on us. What happened was uh, I reached out to people who uh, were wanted to do freelance work in Chicago uh, last year at All In. At that point, Jimmy, I hadn't started traveling as much. And really, around then, we were in the middle of the site really taking off. Now, mm-hmm. I'm able to travel a little bit more as I am often. So I got uh, Andrea Hanks, who did, did great stuff for us. Got interviews with Cody and the Bucks at StarCast. And I was recommended this fella, and he took the credential, didn't show up to do the work earlier in the day for All In, calls me during All In to explain to me why he wasn't doing work, so he's distracting me from the actual show. And I was like, dude, I don't care. Come on, let's go. And fortunately, we didn't pay him (laughs) for the lack of work, so we didn't get taken, but man, that shit. Let me tell you something about my business, and, and this is probably uh, a, a situation with business in general. 
the guys that are the scam artists, because we run into scam artists in our business, and I'm, I'm sure everybody does, the guys that are the scam artists, Sean, that try to take shortcuts for a quick buck, what these guys don't understand is that they are the ones that have to constantly be on the hustle because they burn bridges, right? And they don't understand this. They are the ones that constantly constantly have to look for the next hustle. They constantly have to look for the next scam because I can't go back to this guy because I burn him. I can't go back to him because I burn him. I can't go back to him. I can't go back to him. They end up giving themselves more grief and more work because they try to take a shortcut. And this is something about business that kills me. If they would just do things the right way, you build a network and you're good. You know what I'm saying? That, that's what I've always said, Like especially in my line of work. In, right. in what I do... Um, it would never benefit anybody to consistently make up stuff. Like I want to do this job for the rest of my life. So if I were to make up news, eventually that gets figured out. Right. I found it much easier to just interview people, develop sources, develop relationships and get them that way. And now at this point, Jimmy, I mean, I, I disclose to Jimmy who my sources are because I don't want him to think I'm full of shit. And at this point, Jimmy, I've probably shown you, what, 15, 20 sources within WWE? Yeah, I, I mean, I've told you before, I, I trust your judgment. This thing came up with Meltzer uh, where, oh. uh, where uh, somebody uh, criticized Sean saying that he lifted one of his exclusives from the Wrestling Observer. Dave Meltzer made uh, uh, the kind of mistake you shouldn't make where without actually reading the article, he assumed it was a copy of his work. Came off kind of bad in the process, ended up deleting the tweet that he wrote, but he didn't respond to Sean. He didn't, uh, oh, and uh, something just happened with Sean. Oh, there you go. He didn't respond to Sean, and he didn't apologize to Sean, and so I felt the need. And Sean knows I stay away from Internet trolls. I always do. Uh, but there were a few guys that took it upon themselves to send me a tweet ripping on Sean and then delete the tweet, which is such a pussy thing to do. And so I took it upon myself to defend Sean uh, and say, I saw the tweet. I know the source. He did not copy this from anybody, and he did not make this up. I mean, and... the person that I spoke to went out of the way to ask me to add that figure in. The figure wasn't even in the original story. The, the story was about n not about them being fearful of losing that demographic. It right. was that they were going to attack it, and it was more about Heyman's role, uh, his – limit of what he can and can't do and his efforts to uh, remain a part of the team, which I mentioned earlier. I like and respect Dave. Uh, I met him. I introduced myself in Las Vegas. He shook my hand. He was very nice. I've interacted with him a few times. Uh, I've messaged him a couple times. And when I've had issues over anything content related, I'll message him or an editor or anything. The thing is, I I work very hard and that that's it. I don't want it to be implied that I don't, and I don't think. I I don't think that. Um, how should I put this? I don't want to sound like a prick by this. I I work really hard. Jeremy works really hard. Andrew works really hard. Those are that's my wrestling team right there, and they go about things in the same way that I did when I was at their point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that that I appreciate. And the thing is, I get the feeling that. A lot, have a lot of the same sources and I get the feeling that occasionally we're going to have the same news and I've got I've worked really hard to develop those and I don't want somebody diminishing that or acting like I don't do a good job I do do a good job I try not to 
be as obnoxious as maybe I used to be about things, but that that was a thing that I just felt like I needed I needed to at least say to him. If if he tagged me, if he direct messaged me, if he emailed me, that was one thing. I don't hold any ill will towards Dave or anything like that. Right. I haven't heard back from him. I wish that I would because uh, like I said, I respect him, and I, I I want that professional courtesy there. Like I, I respect a lot of the people who do this job and do it at the level that Dave does. There you go, man. That's all I got for you. That's it. That's what we're closing the show on. Yeah. Well, I mean, he being humble, huh? Wow. That's the perfect way to end this show. And it's gonna leave wow. everybody feeling warm and fuzzy inside. You know what? Are we doing another press conference with Melissa? I think we should. It's going to depend on whether or not the commissioner of Fightful grants you a title shot. Well, I mean, listen, Jimmy. Hmm. I'm going to have to sell the press conference, right? Yes. If we do one. As, as, as humble as I one. am. Because, I mean, Melissa won't sell it. No. That's, that's the thing. Melissa, I, you know what, Jimmy? I think it's admirable that Melissa only has 600 followers on Twitter. You do. I, I, I do. I admire that about her that she wants to stay relatively anonymous and not be known by anybody. I admire that. So I'm going to have to sell this press conference because I'm humble, especially about how many more Twitter followers I have than Melissa. So we'll, we'll, we'll make it work. We'll do it. But so are we'll you, are you retiring the thrifty character and replacing that character with humble Sean Ross up? Well, I'm going to try to buy a house next year, so I'm I'm going to have to avoid being thrifty for a little bit, but then I'm going to have to really be thrifty. I got it. But who says that thrifty and humbleness can't go hand in hand? I think they do actually typically go hand in hand. They do. Yeah. So fortunately, this just accentuates that, Jimmy. Do you consider me to be humble, Sean? <laughs> what? Yeah. Do sure. You? Because I wear $20 sneakers. That's true. You so do. So I'm thrifty too. You know? You do. I spent, my God, uh, probably 10 times. Uh, I would say last year I probably legit spent 20 times as much on shoes as you did. There and you that's go. Not, that's not a humble. That's not a brag. That's no. not anything. Yeah. It's just I like shoes and Jimmy doesn't give a shit about shoes. No, I don't. I spend a decent amount of money on this belt. And I spent a decent amount of money on the uh, Jacob uh, Sap mask over here. But, uh, yeah, shoes, 20 bucks. That's kind of my cap. Well, Jimmy, I got two days off. I'm taking off Friday and Saturday, or Thursday and Friday. What are you going to do without me? I hope the site doesn't go to shit. Well, it won't. Andrew's around. Uh, best switches to our boy Jeremy. He's dealing with some personal stuff. Uh, send him nice words of encouragement, guys, at Jeremy Lambert 88 He is very important to us. Uh, way more important to us than Melissa is. But, Jimmy, we, we went live two straight weeks, no errors. Amazing. I can't wait to check out the audio when the show is done. I hear it's better this week. Yeah. So things are going in the right direction. All we needed to do the whole time was get rid of the expensive software and use the free software. That's Melissa all we had is to do. software? I wish I could hit. I wish I had this uh, soundboard working so I could just say, "Until next time, we're out." Well, look at that! You wasted money again, Jimmy. That's not thrifty. Until next time, we're out. Subscribe to Fightful on YouTube for the latest exclusive podcast interviews and news across boxing, MMA, and pro wrestling. This is the story of the one. 
As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.